The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Your words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. In some circles, the Mint 400 is a far far better thing than the Super Bowl, the Kentucky Derby, and the Lower Oakland Roller Derby Finals all rolled into one. This race attracts a special breed, wrote Hunter S. Thompson in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Thompson had been assigned to cover the 1971 edition of the Rally Through the Mojave for Sports Illustrated. But the Vegas Thompson encountered was far from the one we know today. This was old Vegas. Neon lights, nickel slots, and $2 stakes amid the rough-and-tumble lawlessness of the desert. It's in this colorful tapestry that the Mint 400 emerged as a casino promotion that would become a vital part of North American off-road racing. How did a bunch of hospitality industry employees with little to no knowledge of motorsports turn a publicity stunt into the great American off-road race? Why did the Mint 400 go dark after 20 successful years? And what about this uniquely Vegas race ensured its eventual comeback? Buy the ticket and take the ride, because today on Pass Gas, it's the story of the Mint 400. Pass Gas Podcast! It's about cars, it's not about ports! 
Big thanks to Indeed for sponsoring this episode of Pass Gas. We're driven by the search for better. And listeners of the show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Pass Gas. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Just go to Indeed.com slash Pass Gas right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Pass Gas. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Man, you got to be tougher than a $2 steak to race the Mint 400. <laughs> that sounds like something I'd say. I think that's a saying. Yeah. Tougher I than a it. $2 steak? Yeah. I need a 2 I, I mean, back so in the hungry. 70s, a $2 steak was probably like, that for Jeez. inflation, it's probably like $18, yeah. I want to say. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm just a YouTuber. I'm just a guy. I won't. Welcome back to Pass Gas, everybody. My name is Nolan Sykes. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts. Rocking the Toyota Racing T-shirt today, James Pumphrey. Give me back my son. And we've got Joe Weber. What the heck is up, Wing Wing Nation? I'm so freaking excited for this. For this. I have a pitch. What? What if we gave Joe a Uh soundboard? Oh, no. I don't like soundboards. No, okay. (laughs) Never mind. We shot that down (laughs) I I wanted to spur some conversation. What, What would be on it? And I would be controlling it? Yeah. Uh, just sounds and fun things. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll try it, I guess. Because as I was saying your name, I was thinking Joe Weber on the ones and twos. I didn't yeah, say oh, that, yeah, but I was like, oh, man, that. that would be something, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, That'd be all right. And then I would, like, scratch or something. Oh, yeah. You do one DJ scratch. <laughs> yeah. You do your DJ shadow thing and real Jimmy quick. would have to set up, like, heavy-ass turntables. <laughs> I'm on two day. of them, even though I'm only going to be using one. <laughs> yeah. And then he has to tear it down. You've got to keep. You're and not even like visible like, behind your stack yeah. of yeah. equipment. And crates and yeah. crates yeah. of records that you have to <laughs> pack up every uh, Friday when we record. Crates of records, but then it's uh, Serato, so I only use the like yeah. controller. <laughs> Hell yeah! So, so you do. We should all represent one of the five elements of hip hop. Oh yeah! You should do scratching. Yeah. I'll do graph. Yeah, graph. Well, we, it's a tagging. it's an audio format, yeah. so graph and dancing we just don't, don't yeah. need. So you do rapping and okay. I'll do beatboxing. Okay, cool. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So between uh, the three elements of hip hop, <laughs> <laughs> three white guys the on three, a podcast, the three audio, <laughs> the three audio elements, elements of hip hop. We do need a name for our new podcast. We do. I think ever. So well, no, yeah. Now you're jumping into my territory. Sorry, dude. That's beatboxing. Dude. <laughs> you do it with the. Turn you gotta tables. do it with the equipment. Yeah. James does everything else with his yeah. mouth. Yeah. But now <laughs> you're encroaching on my. Oh uh, yeah. That's mine. So I won't scratch. <laughs> I won't make scratch noises with my yeah. mouth, but you don't make any noises with your mouth. Yeah. And you, you only do words. Yeah, that's right. Man. <laughs> Get the f out of my business, dude. What are you doing, dude? Got a target on my back. Joe's coming for me, bro. I got like really lightheaded. I was gonna say, don't hyperventilate. Five, five, three furious elements of hip hop. Every 
Okay. We uh, can take it what to you guys, Vegas. Yeah, we could. Where we would also do some racing. What do you guys know about the Mint 400? Off, I off know. Off the top of your head. Well, that's what Hunter S. Thompson was covering when he did yeah. Fear and Loathing. I think it was for the 1971 issue of Sports Illustrated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I know about that. I was always surprised. Like, I remember when I was a kid, and, like, I feel like every boy my age, like, at one point in his life was like, you know what, I'm like... I'm really into Hunter S. Thompson. That's, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I was always into cars and motor stuff. And so when I finally started reading uh, Fear and Loathing when I was like 12, I saw that it, he was covering like a motorsport race. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I have a right just... to like this more than my <laughs> peers even do. <laughs> I like drugs and motorbikes. Yeah. Uh, the roommate I was telling you about before, the guy that resembled a shark when he was hungry. Okay, yeah. Uh, every time he comes into town, he's like, oh, what are you guys doing at Donut? You guys should cover the Mint 400. So yeah. this episode is dedicated to Aaron Chassis. I feel like it's been one of our most uh, requested things to make a video yeah. or a podcast about. I, because I think it's like the Mint 400 is the first level of obscurity mm -hmm. yeah. that someone is like, hey. You know what you guys should know about yep. mm -hmm. is this thing that everyone actually knows. The iceberg. <laughs> yeah, it doubt it. Like after a little bit of research, it does seem brutal. And oh, at first, yeah. I was like, I want to do this, and now I'm like, oh. definitely. I, and I've, we, I think everyone at Donut has had that same mm -hmm. realization yeah. where it's like, oh, it's not the Baja 1000. It's meant 400. It's 400. Yeah. <laughs> the number smaller. We could probably do that mm -hmm. as guys. Yeah. And then like Jesse, our chief creative officer, is like. From the beginning, he's like, there's no way you could do that. Dude. Yeah. He used to shoot. Off-road racing is a whole other caliber of endurance and engineering. Everything is built to not only be fast, but be fast and not break out in the middle of the desert and leave you stranded so yeah. you don't mm -hmm. die. Like, that's how serious it is. The man who would go on to build and own the Mint Casino, which in turn would create the Mint 400. This guy was named Delbert Eugene Webb. <laughs> Nerd. He was born in Fresno, California, one of the best places ever, in 1899. And he went by Dell because he hated being called Delbert for some I reason. Why? Did he start at Del Taco? <laughs> Even like Bert's a, kind of a cool name. Dell's kind Bert's of a cool great. name. Del's Delbert. A cool name. Delbert is. Del, yeah, Del Warsham shouts out. Uh, as a child, Dell learned carpentry from his father, who owned a sand and gravel business. But when Dell was just 14, his father's business went bankrupt and his family's fortune was lost. Because realize, people realized that you could go find sand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's rocks outside. <laughs> and Dell was forced to drop out of school to help support his family. And two years later, Dell set off on his own, working as a carpenter and playing semi-pro baseball. Oh, we were just talking about semi-pro baseball. Rocket City Trash Pandas. In 1925, Dell's major league dreams were dashed when he severely injured himself on a slide into home plate, injured during a game. This incident, combined with a bout of typhoid fever oh my Lord. that required months of hospitalization, spelled the end of his baseball career and pushed Dell into working construction full-time. At the advice of his doctor, Dell moved to the warm, dry climate of Arizona. You hear about that a lot, like back in the day, where it's like, yeah, then they moved to... <laughs> 
because the climate was better yeah, for it their, their ailment. consumption. Like that yeah. never happens anymore no. at all. Can you imagine getting food poisoning and the doctor's <laughs> like, you should probably move the. Phoenix. You should probably <laughs> move there and pray. Yeah. Those are that's your medicine. Move the, I don't know. Maybe like it's the humidity that's making you <laughs> shit yourself to death right now. <laughs> While working for a contractor in the Phoenix we area, we don't know what's going on in there. <laughs> Dell's paycheck bounced, and the contractor skipped town. But Dell was in the middle of building a grocery store, and the grocer wanted him to finish the job. So Dell took over the contractor's defunct business, and over the next few years, turned the assets left behind: one cement mixer, ten wheelbarrows, ten pickaxes, and twenty shovels into 55 the fifty-five burgers, fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I know, very specific, into one of the world's largest construction businesses, the Dell E Web Construction Company. You've seen that on the side of a cement mixer. In 1945, Dell's success led to a version of his dream of playing professional baseball. He and his two partners bought the New York Yankees. What? What? In the Dude, 20- I show we were just talking about Yankees too. That's crazy. Oh my God, so many connections. In the 20 years of his, <laughs> in the 20 years of his ownership, the Yankees won 15 American League pennants and 10 World Series yeah, championships. Yeah, this is this is their big run right here. Following this acquisition, like he met Babe Ruth. Oh, yeah. No, Babe Ruth is gone by, like, 30s. Damn it. Do you think he met DiMaggio? Yeah, probably. He met him? Yogi did, Berra, maybe? Did he meet he Marilyn met Monroe? Marilyn Monroe? Um, Tell us, Joe. What do no, you think, Joe? Uh, Marilyn Monroe was dating him in the 60s. Yeah, when, that was a lot. When later. it was like, oh, was he? she also hooking up with JFK? Uh, Well, JFK wasn't alive for a lot of the 60s. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Following this acquisition... Uh, Dell began his first foray into Las Vegas when mobster Benjamin Bugsy Siegel mm-hmm. hired him as the general contractor for the Flamingo. Hey, you gonna build my casino, eh? Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> Dell's construction managers weren't getting paid for their work on the famous hotel. Dell went to Bugsy personally and delicately asked him for the money. Bugsy immediately reassured him, saying, You'll get paid. See, don't worry about it, eh? We mobsters only kill each other. (laughs) Bugsy was right on the money about that because he was killed by the mob less than a year after the Flamingo opened. Ah, Annette Benning, help me. (laughs) Dell went on to build the Sahara Hotel and the Mint in Vegas, and in 1961, his company bought both properties. The Nevada Gaming Commission was thrilled. They hoped Dell's publicly traded corporation would attract legitimate businessmen to Las Vegas. The early 60s saw the Mint's profile rise. In 1962, two of Country Western's biggest female stars headlined the Mary Mint Theater, Loretta Lynn with the Wilburn Brothers and Patsy Cline. Loretta would be a cute That's a good name. That's a good name. That's a little too... It's a little too what we're talking about. Too folksy. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like definitely like... Give it like five years. A though. millennial names their kid Loretta. And Henry. Loretta, Henry. Loretta and Oliver. Henry. We hate Oliver. Henry's around here. I love yeah. the name Henry. Henry's a great name. Everyone's named Oliver now. It, it, that's true. It I think like the Chloe has one, like three Olivers. Number one name is Noah. Number, eh. number one name for, I looked it up. Number one name for boys in 2023. I wasn't Noah. doubting that. I was just like, okay, big boat. Big boat. Yeah, whatever. He was an alcoholic. <laughs> Elvis's 1964 film, Viva Las Vegas, <laughs> featured an appearance by the Mint. And in 1965, an additional hotel tower was added to the proper, property, briefly making the Mint the tallest building in the Las Vegas Valley. Do you know what? Don't tell Trump that. Do you know what Elvis's <laughs> favorite sandwich was? Peanut yeah. butter and bugs. No, it's called the <laughs> Fool's Gold Loaf, uh-huh. and it was a whole loaf of bread 
with a pound of bacon, peanut butter, and jelly. And he one time was craving it so much that he flew to Denver in the middle of the night to get one of these loaves. Wow. Mm. The oldest active off-road race in the United States had its inspiration south of the border in the Baja 1000. In 1967, Norm Johnson, the assistant promotions and publicity director for the Mint, had read a story about off-road fanatics racing from Tijuana to La Paz, uh, named after Andy, yeah. who designs our apparel. At the time, Norm was prepping for the Mint's annual deer hunting contest and wanted Dude, that'd be so fun. Deer hunting contest? From a hotel. Oh, you shoot from the hotel? <laughs> yeah. No, but I bet there's like dinners. Like I yeah. would love to go to a hotel in Vegas in the 60s yeah. for a deer hunting expedition. That'd be sick. Yeah. But there's dinners, there's themed gambling, drinks. There's cigars. Gambling, there's whiskey. Cigars, whiskey, yeah. women. Mm. I love that. Sauce. <laughs> I bet there's so much demi-glaze. I bet it'd be so much easier to meet, like, Nat King Cole or Elvis yeah. just walking around a casino yeah. back then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially because they're dead now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it'd be almost impossible. Yeah. We'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. He was approached by two Las Vegans 
Leroy Wickman and John Sexton, who were building dune buggies, and suggested he purchase one for the contest. What the heck, dude? This is so fun sounding. <laughs> hey, yeah, we're just building dune buggies. Yeah. You want one? <laughs> Isn't that what the Manson family is doing, too? Were they? They loved their dune buggies. Dune buggies are sick, dude. I've <laughs> uh, They're universal. Yeah. You know, yeah. from Vegas guys shooting I've stuff. I've been really to into Myers Manx's lately. Shooting stuff. Myers Manx's oh, yeah. lately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I want one one day. Yeah. Definitely cool, like, on my drive. When you down have to the a beach. couple acres, it would be fun. So fun. Or Bop like around. if I had a beachfront property. <sighs> dude. For sure. Bop it around. That's exactly. You got to have, you got to live in a place that's can, that is good for bopping around. Yeah. I don't want to, it's not for extended drives. This <clears> is just for bopping. Yeah. Around. All I do is zoom and commute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Either I'm zooming or commuting or running errands. <laughs> but I don't, Or I, doing many other things behind the wheel. Well, I barely, I rarely bop is what I'm saying. Mm, I really yeah. bop around. Yeah. You know, I need a good bopper. At the time, Norm was prepping for the... <laughs> 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 Brainstorming led to the mint buying one of the dune buggies, but not for a prize. They would use it to send its builders, Wickman and Sexton, on an off-road journey from the Mint to Lake Tahoe Sahara Hotel, another resort in the company's portfolio. That's fun. In the blazing heat of August 1967, Las Vegas Mayor Oren Gragson. <laughs> Oren's a good name. Uh, it makes me think of that weird character on Parks and Rec. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Is it? And I knew a guy named Oren who was exactly like was that. Who was weird? Yeah. Really? yeah. That okay. kid was okay. in my okay. Improv two for 201 two. class. Oh. Oren. Oh. Uh, an official NASCAR timer saw them off. Dude, I think current NASCAR driver Noah Gregson is related to Oren Gregson. Cool. Yeah. Grew up in Las Vegas. Noah, most popular name of 2023 for boys. Wow. Everything is connecting. Yeah. Wickham, Sexton, and a press photographer took off in the two dune buggies packed with camping gear. Six days later, they reached their destination. News of the stunt spread fast. Norm decided to up the ante. He wanted to host a Baja 1000 of his own Hell right yeah, in the Mojave. That's sick. With a budget of $25,000 approved by the Mint Brass, Sexton and Wickham began to lay out a course north of Las Vegas. While setting up twenty-five grand now wouldn't buy you a buggy. Yeah, it no. would. A shitty one. <laughs> Not a new one. While setting up the 400-mile loop, they needed, a they needed to secure permission from over 60 individual landowners. This group included Howard Hughes who peed in jars and stuff. <laughs> and he was, luckily wasn't an obstacle as he happened to be good friends with Del Webb. Oh, that's good. Ah, I'm actually good friends with Del Webb. <laughs> we peed in jars many a time. Look how long my toenails are. <laughs> <laughs> Once the Bureau of Land Management approved the event with a $10 fee per vehicle, the Mint 400 was a go. Sick. To drum up interest, Norm got his old racing buddy, Parnelli Jones, hey, to compete okay. in the event. By 1968, Rufus Parnell, Parnelli Jones, <laughs> was already a legend in the world of racing. He is the first driver to ever crack 150 miles per hour in the Indianapolis 500 qualifying and won it all at the Brickyard in 1963. Do you think Rufus is too folksy? Rufus is a cool name. Yeah. Call him Ruf. Because I always, I, I know I'm going to turn my kid's name into a single syllable. Yeah, mm -hmm. just don't call him Rufy. No. Nah. Yeah, see, he can't do Rufus. 
call him fussy. You also got to like have considerations <laughs> for what school children will make fun of your kid with. I yeah. don't know if that's as much of a thing as it was when we were kids. That's true. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Kids are brutal, dude. Are they? They were when we were kids. I think there's. I think they still are. I don't know if they are. I think once they turn like in their preteens and they're like, we gotta be like, oh yeah, conscious of stuff. But like a four year old doesn't care. I think kids now, from what I've heard on TikTok by like teachers and stuff, mm-hmm. kids are mean to adults now, mm-hmm. and they're nice to each other. Mm-hmm. Which <laughs> I wish that was the case when I was a kid. <laughs> Coming off his final Indianapolis 500, the news of Jones's entry nearly doubled the field of 56 entrants to 109 cars and motorcycles. Wow. Joining Jones was the experienced but less decorated NASCAR driver Mel Larson. Uh, I used to know a girl named Mel. That's a good name. In addition to competing in NASCAR, Larson had also worked for the series as a public relations director. With the additional attention these competitors brought by race day, the overall purse had swelled from a guarantee of $15,000 to over $30,000. With inflation equates to $270,000 Holy Moses. Pretty good. I tell you what, boy. I'd love that. Yep. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Despite the increased publicity, much of the staff working the big event had zero experience in putting together a race. Great combination yeah these were casino executives with backgrounds in hospitality which made for some interesting assignments like the hotel sales manager being in charge of timing at the start finish line (laughs) or an assistant manager heading up the impound and parade lineup huh learn by doing learn by doing this seems just like say by the bell Mm -hmm. summer (laughs) trial by fire it's like white lotus (laughs) Well, will you be staying around for the rally? (laughs) (laughs) On race day, Fremont Street, the heart of downtown Las Vegas at the time, was blocked off as all vehicles lined up in front of the Mint. Del Webb, joined by Nevada's Lieutenant Governor, waved the starting flag. A six-mile parade to the starting line followed, and the Mint 400 Del Webb Desert Rally was on. I was just at Fremont Street a couple months ago, and one of their is big, that old Las Vegas? Yeah, yeah. It's all it's covered by like the LED screen now. It uh-huh, has yeah. like jets and oh, space stuff. Okay, but jets one of their and space stuff. One of their big attractions is like getting the dead skin eaten off your feet by fish. Nice. I just would never like. I don't want to take my there. shoes off in public <laughs> in Las Vegas on like a gross street. Yeah. yeah. Let alone have people watch fish eat dead skin off my feet. <laughs> and dip your dead yeah. skin in that dead skin In the water. same water yeah. that yeah, other yeah. people... It's like a soup. The, yeah. the, the fish are swimming in a soup of their own. <laughs> 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 no, thank you. Ah. <laughs> uh. But it wasn't that simple. Some drivers got lost along the parade route, while others broke down. Before the race had even begun, the streets of Las Vegas had claimed eight entrants. Oh, my God. This confusion led to vehicles getting mixed up and made life even more difficult for that sales manager timing racers. But all in all, 101 cars and motorcycles took off on the 400-mile loop through the Mojave Desert. Norm listened to radio reports all night. Cars were lost, people were injured, and there were plenty of rollovers. A motorcyclist from Chicago had to walk 10 miles back into town, dragging his bike along with him. Eesh, that sucks. I wouldn't. 
God, just leave it there. Why didn't he use his freaking cell phone? <laughs> <laughs> Another entrant in a pickup truck was forcefully changed both an engine and transmission only to end up buried in a sand dune. Where did he get them? <laughs> a couple of web construction higher-ups who entered were forced to walk six miles after a breakdown, but returned to the Mint Hotel buzzing about competing in the next Mint 400. And the race hadn't even had its first finisher yet. Dude, what a time to be alive. Everything sucks now. <laughs> you could do this. Huh? If you wanted to, you could yeah, do you something could like this. Now? I just yeah. feel like the vibe would be different. A little bit, but there's still like vintage classes of like uh, building a VW bug. You can Ooh, do that. You don't have to build bug. like a you don't have to build like a trophy bug. You can still build something that uses a lot of stock components. I know, but like I would be driving in an old thing, but mm-hmm. like returning back to Vegas, like buzzing and like sitting at the mm-hmm. bar would feel different than now. I just think everything sucks now and mm-hmm. I wish that I was born in a different time. It'd be the mm-hmm. same except you'd be playing that like what's different in each picture game at the mm-hmm. bar. It's the same. It's the same. <laughs> yeah, some of those bars haven't really been up upgraded no i went to a very old not updated bar yeah the palace station Mm. it's kind of gross i ate there (laughs) what'd you eat (laughs) (laughs) little tiny fish (laughs) it was a buffet and i was like i shouldn't get those baked mussels i did it but i got some breadsticks and stuff okay (laughs) can't really mess those up Typhoid fever. <laughs> the first finisher would come in the darkness of early morning. <laughs> yeah, at twelve twenty-seven a.m. <laughs> nice smelling. It's Vegas. What stays in Vegas? At twelve twenty-seven a.m., the first competitor crossed the finish line on Fremont Street. J. N. Roberts, part of the team with Gunnar Lindstrom, riding a Husqvarna motorcycle. Nice. They were slowly joined by other motorcyclists, who all seemed to beat the hotel staff's estimated time schedule. At sunrise, the first four-wheeled vehicle made it back to downtown Las Vegas. Gene Hurst in a dune buggy. Upon completion of his 400 miles, Hurst accelerated by lighting a pipe. See? Different times! You I could still love... light a pipe. No! <laughs> now you gotta smoke meth. <laughs> <laughs> of the 101 vehicles that started the race, only 32 finished. Wow. Ironically... Racing veterans Parnelli Jones and Mel Larson were not among them. Can you imagine how much different like Venice Boulevard or Venice, mm. California would oh, be yeah. without meth? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> but the race was a success. National, it'd be great. National magazines, sports writers, and television crews from all over covered the event. Naturally, Bill Bennett, the general manager of the Mint Hotel, announced that a second Mint 400 would take place the following year. Yay! Yay! Whee! We did it. The 1969 Mint 400 had a quadrupled budget and a more refined course. Though it was still held on the northern outskirts of Las Vegas, the starting point was Tool Springs, near a gun club owned by the Mint Hotel. Instead of one large 400-mile lap, the race would be four laps of 50 miles staged over two days with overnight repairs allowed for the vehicles. Not as fun. Again, Parnelli Jones participated, but this time he was joined by 188 total entrants, including more big names from the world of motorsports and Hollywood land, such as Mickey Thompson, nicknamed Mr. Speed. He was the first American to unofficially break the 400-miles-per-hour barrier at Bonneville. You had Bobby Unser, the reigning Indy 500 champ, 
and his brother and fellow racer, Al, who we've talked about, both of them, mm-hmm. previously. Yet actor Lee Majors, still a couple of years away from his best-known role as the $6 million man. And you also had, finally, actor and racing aficionado Steve McQueen, fresh off the success of Bullet, which featured McQueen racing through the streets of San Fran in a Ford Must. I love Sleeve McQueen. Mustang. That's in the name of your Steve McQueen flashlight. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like uh, that green. (laughs) (laughs) That year, the number of finishers increased, but only 39% of racers finished all 400 miles. The motorcycle team of Mike Patrick and Phil Bowers won overall, making it two straight victories for bikes. By 1970, the purse had increased to $50,000, close to four hundred grand today, and the number of vehicles grew again to 287 entrants. Mike Patrick and Phil Bowers won again, this time on a Yamaha, the first back-to-back Mint 400 champs. The following year, the race saw its first local win as Las Vegas native Max Finally. Switzer, as part of the team with 1968 winner J.N. Roberts, won on a Husqvarna motorcycle. However, the 1971 race is probably best known for its cameo in Hunter S. Thompson's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I don't even remember the like motorcycle race part of that movie. I haven't seen it. You've never seen that movie? Mm-mm. Oh, wow. No. It's a book. I mostly just watch movies that have like sixes on IMDb because it's like sounds oh. interesting instead of like watching movies that's that I should have seen system. by now. No, it's not. You watch a lot of interesting movies. You like find what? A, something I don't that's rated six out no, of ten? No, I don't intentionally filter by ratings. It's just like, you know, it's just like small movies that are weird and then it's like, oh, that was an interesting movie. 90 minutes. Whatever. Yeah. No, oh, you, you don't like Hollywood. I get it. That's not it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not in the mood to watch The Godfather. Right now. I've never seen any of the Godfathers. Yeah. Oh my god. You've never seen the Godfather? I've seen that um that Jay Moore movie Mafia that's a parody of oh. the Godfather. <laughs> Jay Moore's Plenty my times. favorite comedian. <laughs> Thompson had been in Los Angeles working on an entirely different story for Rolling Stone magazine about the alleged accidental killing of Mexican American journalist Ruben Salazar. For context, Salazar was struck and killed by a tear gas canister launched by Los Angeles County sheriffs while he was covering Chicano protests of the Vietnam War. Some things never change. Thompson's main source for the story was Chicano lawyer and activist Oscar Ocasta. But because Thompson was white and covering a story about the broiling race relations in Los Angeles, the two found it hard to converse openly and alone without interruption. Thus, it was kismet when Sports Illustrated offered him an assignment to write two, a 250-word photo caption piece. What? Dude, that's so <laughs> they sick. sent him to Vegas to write a photo caption? Yeah. Why couldn't the, things used to be so much better? I'm telling you, <laughs> it sucks now. <laughs> now they would have an intern do that. I I they poop out have, 250 words in a Slack. Message. I know. Yeah, the company would probably just uh, fire all the lower level writers and yeah, just replace AI. it with AI. Right? AI would write 250 words now. Everything sucks now. <laughs> So they wanted to write a 250-word photo caption piece for the 1971 <laughs> Mint 400 race. So they took, they gave him a budget, sent him to Vegas, and let him bring a friend. Thompson took the <laughs> Thompson took the opportunity to go to Vegas with Acosta to cover the race and continue to work on his Salazar story. Covering the Mint 400 was difficult for him. The same kicked up 
dust that made life difficult for drivers hurt the race's visibility to journalists and spectators. In the end, Thompson penned a 2,500-word story from his Vegas experience that was rejected by Sports <laughs> what Illustrated. What are you doing? Well, he's writing a book. Right. 2,500, that's only five pages. Oh, yeah. And the magazine even refused to reimburse him for his expenses because he really racked up a lot of them. Yeah. Fortunately, Chopson was sent back to the Las Vegas shortly thereafter to cover a narcotics officer's convention. <laughs> These two trips were combined to become Thompson's seminal work, Fear and Loathing, in Las Vegas. I got to read this. You would love it. Yeah. <laughs> the fifth iteration of the race in 1972 featured 390 vehicles this time around and an ever-growing purse of 70 grand, baby. Grand, baby. That year, famed Mercury 7 astronaut Gordon Cooper entered the race uh, with veteran Mel Larson. Nice. But what would seem to be a dream mashup of pioneering ended with their car failing to complete a single lap, unfortunately. Do you think he was like, why is all your food so wet? <laughs> <laughs> you got any powdered... Steak? It isn't <laughs> chalky at all. It was Fritz Croyer who would take the four-wheeler honors and become the first back-to-back -back champ in the car division. Fritz Croyer! This year also marked the debut of the Girls of the Mint 400, which brought some glitz and acceptable amount of 1970s sexism to the event. The pageant-light competition was the brainchild of K.J. Howe, who had joined the Mint's publicity staff in the early 1970s and was looking for another way to further promote the race. Get the gals out in the desert. Applications poured in from North America and Europe. Local media reps culled the list of hundreds down to 10, and from there, the racing committee selected five women to become the Mint 400 girls who would preside over much of the racing activities. Some notable Mint 400 girl alumni include Wonder Woman's Linda Carter, nice. Wheel of Fortune's Vanna White, from and Milwaukee. Really? Yeah. And several Playboy centerfolds of the 1980s. And my mom. <laughs> <laughs> in 1973, the race left the silty soil of Tool Springs and changed to two 200-mile laps south of Vegas near the California border. Of course, not everyone seemed to remember the change in venue. An entire group from the annual parade took a wrong turn oh and headed God. north to the old starting line in Tool Springs before their motorcycle escort realized they were going the wrong way. Guys, <laughs> check the flyer. Read your flyer. Check your phone. The heck? This early misstep would be a harbinger of things to come in what would be known as the year of the big snow. A combination of rain, sleet, snow, and 50 mile per hour winds wrecked havoc on the race. Most drivers had only packed summer clothes, and as a result, many were later treated for frostbite. Yeah. Additionally, areas of zero visibility and freezing carburetors brought entire sections of the race to a standstill. All these elements led to a finish rate of only 28%. Wow. But, Despite the severe conditions, Joe, Parnelli Jones managed to win his first and only Mint 400 behind the wheel of his big Ollie Ford Bronco. I've seen a picture of this We're, thing. I've it's seen sick. it in person. It's at the, it's the Peterson. Peterson. Yeah, that's where I... That's where sometimes I Sometimes I mix up pictures with <laughs> stuff I see with my eyes. It wasn't a picture. It was my life. <laughs> uh, if you want to know more about the big Ollie Bronco... Check out Parnelli Jones. We've done an entire episode on the man. Very interesting story. Rufus yeah. Parnell, Parnelli Jones. Rufus Parnell, Parnelli Jones. Rufus Parnelli Jones. I got a back tattoo tramp stamp that says that. <laughs> Rufus Parnell, Parnelli Jones. The 19th Four different fonts. Wow. 
It's it's covering up your old tattoo that said "Contents under pressure." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The 1974 Mint 400 would have the largest purse yet, but the oil crisis forced the cancellation of the race. Oh. However, after a one-year hiatus, the race returned in 1975. Yay! With a 100-mile course this time. A speed drum that included pit areas and, for the first time, bleachers for spectators. Where? Where are the, ble- the just bleachers? Just out, out there, you know? Just out there. <laughs> Jack Antonoff's band played for spectators. Bleachers. Oh. Um, yep. <laughs> Four-wheel champion of the first Mint 400, Gene Hurst, won again in 1975 and again in 76 with Bobby Farrow. The two drove a Sandmaster Hustler dune That's buggy. Sick. <laughs> and in doing so, Hearst became the first driver to win three times, a record that wouldn't be repeated for over 40 years. Sandmaster Hustler. The Hustler. Oh, great. Now I'm on Craigslist looking for Sandmaster Hustlers. <laughs> Sandmaster. Hustler. Hustler. <laughs> Sandmaster. Ooh. Hustler. Seems pretty this is a cool buggy. That's a, a buggy cool if buggy. I ever saw one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. This That's what is I like. the kind of kind of stuff I like. <laughs> it looks like the little guy from Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got a friend in me, or I'll be your friend in you, little Mr. Sandmaster Hustler. Because I drive you. <laughs> I drive you real good. I drive you real good, Mr. Sandmaster Hustler. I keep you nice and clean. Mm, I'll get you nice dirty, then clean you up. We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It was around this time the environmental movement of the 1970s began targeting the Mint 400. As a result, the 1975 budget included an environmental impact study and environmental monitors. That seems really early for that kind of stuff, but yeah, I mean sick. the 70s were a pretty interesting time with stuff like that coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean you can't just like go blasting through like a huge collection of nests. Yeah, or meanwhile something. DuPont's just dumping slime into a river. Yeah. <laughs> every not a river, every river. Yeah. All the rivers. <laughs> we all have Teflon. I, feel, I got really high microplastics today, you know. Did I'm you? feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, quit chewing on your credit card. <sighs> but it's so tasty. <laughs> Concerned he could lose the support of local politicians and business persons. K.J. Howe, now the director of publicity for the race, sent bright red official race jackets to all competitors. These gifts came with a request to wear the jackets as long as they were in town for the Mint 400. The month of the race, downtown Las Vegas was awash in the very visible jackets and convinced city officials to keep backing the race. That's smart. That's very smart. A decade on, despite this support, more of the race's budget had to be spent on environmental concerns. 
For example, despite tortoise deaths being historically unlikely during the <laughs> mid-400, a tortoise expert had to be hired to make sure the desert course didn't interfere too much with their habitat. I bet that guy is funny. <laughs> He's like big, thick glasses and a bald head. <laughs> Real droopy face. I like just describing too big. Yeah. <laughs> what if he was just like the hottest guy? He's yeah. so hot. Just, mm. Just ripped, yeah, dude. Ripped. Hey, yeah. So not Dana Carvey's no. No. Turtle Man not, from not, Master not of the Sky. Jacob Alori. Say hi. I'm here to check out the tortoises. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I gotta listen to this guy. <laughs> and then he's like, you see it, and all the girls are like, oh my god. And then he's just like, oh, they're over here. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly, slowly moving. moving away. That's hilarious. An allowable number of tortoise deaths was set. Oh no! <laughs> oh. But fortunately, none were killed that year. Oh, that's convenient. And tortoise-related tragedies continued to be low okay. uh, in the event. Great. However, Dude, I'm sure they were just killing those things every year. There's no way that they no, didn't dude. hit any of them. Come I, on. There might not be a lot of them. Yeah. I, how man. many tortoises are just wandering out in the desert? Yeah, man. There used to be a lot more before the mint came through. Dude, yeah. no. You are making that up. I don't... Dude, there... I think... Come on. Officially, yeah, they're going to be like, yeah, we didn't hit any last year. Yeah, you guys right? didn't, you guys didn't you hit any. You guys didn't see any But tortoises. I did hit a big... Moving hubcap. Yeah. <laughs> I, hit, I, I hit a rock with legs and a head yeah. and babies. Yeah. <laughs> but no tortoises. Oh, tortoises. No, oh. no, no. I killed a bunch of turtles. <laughs> <laughs> However, the race continued. Popularity began to make it a victim of its own success. Hmm. The Bureau of Land Management estimated that 100,000 spectators attended the 1985 wow. race and began restricting spectators and spectator access for safety purposes. Hmm. The following year, race officials were brought before the county's Air Pollution Control Commission, boo, who were upset with the Mint 400's tendency to create massive dust clouds. Let's go further out. Yeah, go further out. Huh? Man-made haboobs. Haboobs? That's like a big um, oh, Arab I didn't know that. dust storm. K.J. Howe, who had been promoted again to race director, seemingly strong-armed the commission. I asked her who was going to mitigate the dust when the next dust storm hit the area, and I said that around a million dollars a mile to pave part of the course wasn't going to happen, and that we would just have to cancel the race. The commission called for a recess and later came back to rubber stamp the race and put off their request to pave the course to an unspecified future date. How would paving the desert be better for the environment? I have no idea. It's dumb. Cement is so bad for the environment. Yeah. To get all the stone. I think it tastes great. Hmm? I think it tastes great. <laughs> tastes great? Are you a rock monster? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Despite these battles, the thing that finally killed the Mint 400 was not government interference, but a change in casino ownership. Mm -hmm. In 1986, Dell Webb sold the Mint to Jack Binion, owner oh. of the Horseshoe Club Casino. Binion's Horseshoe Club Casino. Yeah. Despite the support of many of the Mint's upper management, Binion wanted to end the event. He believed the influx of competitors and vehicles to Fremont Street 
had hurt their main business gambling so stupid racers love gambling racers yeah. love gambling racers love doing stuff that they shouldn't do they gamble with their lives yeah he also felt that its gritty untamed image didn't mesh with the glamour he wanted to be associated with in his casino hmm. uh nobody thinks vegas is actually glamorous it's ironically <laughs> glamorous mm -hmm. Contractual obligations kept it going for three more years, but the writing was on the wall. The 22nd Mint 400 held in 1989 shouts that Taylor Swift was the last of the 20th century. But if there's one thing Las Vegas is good at, it's resurrecting careers. Nice. Nice. Usher. Brittany. Brittany. Celine. Carrot Celine. Top. Cher. Carrot Top. <laughs> Wayne. Wayne. Newton. <laughs> I was like, Lil Wayne has a show? Let's go, dude. <laughs> I would totally see a Lil Wayne residency yeah. in Vegas. And after a 20-year break, the Mint 400 was brought back in 2008. Its savior was a group named Snore. <laughs> what? Which stands for Southern Nevada Off-Road uh, Enthusiasts. A nonprofit of off-road racers and their families. The group was founded in 1969, and with an all-volunteer group of officials and staff, it organizes and publicizes off-road racing in the greater Las Vegas area. It's not to be confused with SCORE. That's completely different. different. Yeah, it is different. Part of the Mint 400's comeback included bringing aboard Mad Media, a digital media company specializing in motorsports to cover the race. Owned by producers and brothers Matt and Josh Martelli, Mad Media began producing a television program and relaunched the event. Nevertheless, just four races into its rebirth in 2011, Bureau of Land Management officials determined that the race caused too much damage to local vegetation. Instead of appealing this decision, Snore decided the Mint 400 was too big for its nonprofit club to handle, and they sold the race to Mad Media. Fortunately, just in time for the next year's race, a 100-mile race loop now south of Las Vegas was given the official okay by the BLM. I feel like they gave up pretty easily. They could have just been like, let's well, spend a day looking around. No, no, I mean, it's not a comp it's like a nonprofit. You know, yeah, it's like, like it's, it's volunteers a, yeah. doing all this it's stuff. It's guys yeah. who like off roading, they were like, hey, we should, we should form a thing. Yeah, and they kept yeah. it going for a couple of years. So yeah, credit and then to they're them. like, you know what, guys? I don't want to do this. Oh my God, thank you for yeah. saying it. I've been wanting to say it for two years. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to drive stuff off road. I got to make all kinds of phone calls. Yeah. This sucks. <laughs> the return of the Mint 400 also brought back an early Mint 400 tradition. Motorcycles. Nice! Bikes were banned in 1977, and in the first 10 years of the resurrected race, motorcycles were not included. That changed in the 2019 Mint 400. You gotta have motorcycles. And that same year, Justin Lofton won in the unlimited truck class and joined Greg Hurst as only the second three-time champion in the history of the race. The girls of the Mint have also returned, yes. though now it's dubbed the Miss Mint Contest. In 2020, the Miss Mint winner, Emily Dobrazensky participated as a co-driver and navigator for a pro UTV team, becoming the first Miss Mint to compete in the race. Cool. cool. I want to be Miss Mint. Miss Mint. Today, the Mint 400 attracts nearly 65,000 people to its race and surrounding events. What was once a dusty, dirty, and seemingly thrown-together day-long endurance test has become a meticulously planned four-day festival. Held every March, a parade still kicks things off, but it's no longer exclusive to old Las Vegas. Trophy trucks and vintage VW Beetles rev their engines from the southern end of the Strip 
to its final destination of downtown Las Vegas. <laughs> this bleeds into the next day's Fremont Street block party, which is followed by two days of racing. That sounds fun. I know. This largely fits with the Mint 400's spectator-friendly ethos. Unlike the Baja 1000 or Dakar, which are point-to-point -point races, the Mint 400 uses multiple laps over a large course. Fans are able to watch from grandstands at the starting line, which features multiple jumps and hairpin turns for cool. their viewing entertainment. Attendees can also drive to specified areas in the desert to view up close the wild action in the wild. <laughs> I will not redo that. <laughs> the, the race has also gone to great lengths to rehab its image as more environmentally friendly. The Martellis consider themselves environmentalists and, and have said... The whole point of why you off-road is to get out of the city, to get away from the destruction and the stress and the trash and all that. We don't want to see that stuff in our environment. Good for them. That, yeah, dude. I like that Me too. balanced approach. Of course, yeah. you're going to damage, you're going to, with off-road racing especially, uh -huh. you're going to destroy, like, you're going to break some I know, stuff. but, like, a lot of off-roading is about conservation. Conservation, yeah. yeah. That's why, I mean, that's why... The, a lot of trails don't allow UTVs. UTVs because, are, suck because well, they rip up stuff. They and rip up stuff, people but people don't re respect the trails. Yeah. 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 Stay yeah. on the trail. Stay on the trail. Stay on the trail. Since 2017, the Martelli brothers have held a pre-race desert cleanup day. Yeah. Every yeah. year, tons of trash. T every year, literal tons of trash is removed from the desert. The vast majority of which has nothing to do with off-roaders or the Mint 400. This has also led to much more harmonious relationship with the Bureau of Land Management. Nice. Nice. Okay. You scratch their back, they scratch yours. Yeah, hey, turns out these guys aren't so bad after all. Like Vegas itself, the Mint 400 lit up the desert with its high-risk, high-reward propositions and threw in the star power of Hollywood amateurs as well as grizzled veterans of off-road racing. That it could go away for 20 years, only to be brought back by a group of volunteers, is a testament to the enthusiasm and fan passion that exists for off-road racing. Uh-huh. A passion that now extends, James, to yeah. a more active role in preserving and protecting the environment in which off-roading thrives. Ironically, in 2009, just one year after the Mint 400 returned, the Mint Hotel unfortunately closed for good, a victim of the Great Recession. Damn it. Though the event is now sponsored by BF Goodrich Tires, the Mint Hotel's legacy is forever ensconced in its namesake race. And with the Mint 400 now part of the new unlimited off-road racing series, it appears that the great American off-road race is here to stay. Noise. I kind of want to go. Yeah, I want to go now. Yeah, go to that block party. Yeah. Now I understand what my roommate was talking about. Yeah, finally. I'm hungry. Finally. I, I'm hungry now. Well, lunch is real close. close. Guys, we're so hungry. We're going to go eat lunch. <laughs> <laughs> but first, we got some listener mail. Yeah. Hey, Pass Gas. I'm Lucas from Milwaukee. Hey, hey Lucas. Joe's so from. That, dude, you guys know that's where Joe's from? Go to a fish People fry. always ask me, do you know Lucas? Yeah. I don't. Do. <laughs> Thanks for making this podcast every week. I've been listening from the start and always enjoy the pure comedy and automotive history you guys give us. I recently turned 16 and got my license and I've enjoyed working on and driving my 2004 VW Golf. Two-door, five-speed. What? Let's go, dude. It's fun. That's a Mark IV. I remember in one episode, Joe talked about the David Hobbs yeah. Honda dealership in Glendale, Wisconsin. I work across the street from it and love seeing this important part of automotive history and the fascinating origin story in my hometown. 
That said, for a future episode, could you guys dive deep into the rickshaw run? Hmm. Also, I'd love to hear more about Joe's life growing up in Milwaukee, such as places he'd go, where he grew up, went to school, <laughs> etc. As always, keep it juiced and fired up, and let's take Minnesota down. Okay, nice try, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> let's try right in, Joe, you freaking dork. This rickshaw run... <laughs> <laughs> the rickshaw run is an event where teams drive rickshaws yeah. along uh, various routes across India. India? Uh, yeah. This okay. is sick. That's I want to see that. Yeah, yeah let's do that. Uh, can you please do an entire episode on how dope Joe was at <laughs> high school? <laughs> So Thank you, Lucas. Uh, that's a great suggestion. I think we should do it as an episode, if not a video. Yeah, rickshaws. That's sure, awesome. Sure. Hit us up at pascas at donomedia.com. Maybe we'll read your email on the air. Thank you so much to our writer this week, Jordan Pomaville. Our producers, Christina Felsky, Paulo Mara, and Nick Giamuso. Right. The Moose and the Mara. Moose, Moose and Mara, Mara, baby. Follow James at James Pumphrey. Follow Joe at Joe G. Weber. Follow me at Nolan J. Sykes if you'd like. Let's go eat some lunch. Let's go eat some <laughs> lunch. has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today.